Hello all and welcome to episode two of DN Debates, where the four of us players, dungeon masters, and friends will argue passionately about that nerdiest of nerd games, Dungeons and Dragons, fifth edition. Uh, by way of introductions, I am your moderator tonight, Scott Gilman. I'm Corey Lee. I am Jake Stemmons. Uh, I am Amanda Sharkey. Uh, last oh, yeah. names this time. Uh, in terms of structure, just a quick reminder, we have a moderator and three debaters, uh, three rounds of questions, um, and we are trying something new with variable times, variable times for the opening statements based on the nature of the question. We are also trying, in an effort to be less polite, uh, extra points for particularly funny uh, insults uh, or refutations. Uh, we will have opening statements, refutations, and a round of chaos. The topic this week is the villains. Um, what is a good D&D campaign without a good villain? So without further ado, the first question of our debate this evening. Uh, for this question, you will have two minutes to answer. The final battle of a campaign is a cathartic and a suspenseful combat that determines how your heroes will be remembered. What are they facing and what is at stake? Given that most modules end at level 11, assume a level 11 party of five and stick to enemies that have an officially published stat block. Uh, for who is going first, I will be rolling a d6, going from going clockwise down my screen. Okay, Jake, you're up first whenever you're ready. Yes, I'm ready now. Is the timer starters? Am I wasting time? Yeah. Oh shit. Okay, so we're gonna. The battle is gonna happen at this place called the Hollow Heart. So, it's a. This is a featureless plane, very few structures, and it's basically a blanket of white ash. And I mean, this is a, gives the feeling of the end of all things. This is the end of the campaign. You're at the end of the world. This is where it is. And you're going to be fighting the Fraz Urblu, the Demon Lord of Deception and King of Illusion, or something along those lines. And it won't be as fast of pure strength because he's going to use all his demonic cunning to defeat you. And so you're going to have to deal with all that. Um, and it's got all you need, I think, in the uh, big boss is spellcasting, legendary actions, legendary resistance, layer actions, and regional effects. So I'm just going to, we only have two minutes. Here we go. Uh, since it has Ultra Self, uh, I think that's actually a great thing to have your villains. You could have a moment where the players come up to this and he takes the forms of all the NPCs they've seen through the campaign. And they have this moment realize they've been manipulated this whole time. Um, and then they fight it. Um, just to skip a few points that I made to get more time, and I'm wasting time by saying this. But it has layer actions. The layer actions are awesome. So it can uh, manipulate the room if it wants. It can send out a wave of anguish if it wants. But the coolest thing it can do is create a simulacrum of one of the party members. And so each turn, it can do whatever it wants. One of, that, that one of the party members have the option. So it has unlimited variety. And it can also, the regional effects are really awesome because throughout the battle, uh, the party members will occasionally see hallucinations of long lost friends that they have met throughout the campaign. So this will be a moment where they see, it'll be a bittersweet moment as they see people they've lost throughout the campaign. I think back to the whole, the whole thing goes on. Um, and, as, and if they spend too long there, they all go mad as well. Uh, that's just the place it is. So we're, we're talking illusions, we're talking variety, we're talking, this is a hard combat, but it's not too hard. Well, it is very hard, but it's possible. And basically, the player's got to figure out numerous issues. And I think it sums up the campaign well. That is exactly time. Right oh. there. 
<laughs> oh boy. Ooh, I like that you introduced uh, it with the concept, a blank place covered in ash, uh, when we were playing Doom of the Ash King right now. Yeah. Um, all right, and for our second person, that'll be Corey. So Corey, whenever you are ready. Okay, picture this. Follow me here. Powerful empire, thriving in its current political and economic state, but danger looms, and as a nearby volcano, dormant for centuries, threatens this empire with minor natural disasters. Tremors, smog, heat waves, leading the people of the empire to believe that this is bound to erupt soon. In this volcano is an adult red dragon. Okay, this booming empire is on the verge of collapse. The red dragon is foreseeing this, has collected its last bit of hoard, and anticipates the fall of the empire, threatening its demise so that a new one can rise from its ashes and create more for the dragon to collect for eternity. It's classic. It's eponymous. Okay, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons here. Okay, it's dangerous. It's epic. It's in a freaking volcano. Okay, you also got the legendary actions. You've also got the lair actions, spewing magma, etc., etc. Okay, the heroes can save an entire empire, engaging in warfare with a nefarious dragon and meddling with the fabric of the natural order itself. Okay, so you've got this dragon. It's this classic monster of D and D. It's this huge climactic battle between all of these heroes and this mythical creature that hoards gold schemes against humankind and it's just so 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 just satisfyingly standardly classic that you know you just can't beat it i yield my time okay uh and for uh did you say did you say it was an adult or ancient red dragon adult cool all right amanda we are on to you whenever you're ready all right, so love what you guys have, but I'm gonna switch things up a little bit, keep it a bit more general. We're gonna do this general plot of evil society, crime syndicate, cult thing, trying to summon evil god, primordial monster. Very general, can be applied in a lot of places. This final battle uh, is you is the player the party is going up against the sort of head of this cult organization, whatever, as the summoning ritual for, ritual. Wow, I cannot speak. I'm so excited. Ritual for whatever thing they're trying to bring back. It's happening, it's starting. Uh, and this is actually a two-phase battle. See, at first you're fighting just a normal Archmage. Uh, you can flavor it really well, kind of tailor it to whatever this organization is. But for a party of five, player, uh, five level 11 players, it's pretty easy. Don't have to waste, it's not easy dub, but uh, not a lot of resources are really spent trying to kill this guy. However, once they drop that Archmage to zero hit points, suddenly it transforms, uh, he transforms being corrupted by whatever dark evil power this ancient god or monster has uh, instilled in him as he grows into this giant shadowy tentacle monster, which mechanically is a juvenile kraken. Um, and it turns into an epic battle where the terrain can change, the layer gets shaken up, there's more of a threat, he loses his humanity to this dark force, and the players get a hack and slash out as much guilt at a very monstrous, demonic evil creature. Juvenile Kraken, love this monster from Ghost, Ghost of Salt Marsh, has so many dynamic options in terms of actions, um, legendary actions, layer actions, it has regional effects that are so easily flavored. It doesn't have to be underwater, it's just a fun tentacle monster to play around with for, uh, you know, mid-level players. Uh, 15 seconds, it's very cool, very fun. Also having two phases, it's like a video game, 
what video game boss is just one single guy the whole time? Nothing. This is more fun, engaging, and dynamic. And time. Two seconds off, or two seconds till completion. All right, so having heard everybody's opening statements, we can now open the floor for refutations. I appreciate you mentioning I appreciate you mentioning the incentive. The incentive to throw hands. You, you, you don't have to incentive incentivize me. Jake, I'm speaking. No, I'm Jake, speaking. Jake. <laughs> no. Scott decided um, speaking. Scott decided. Oh, no, I'm going. Um Corey, man, I, I, love I, I, it. Oh. I know it's classic. So boring. Dragon I, fight. Yeah, it's one wow. dragon. Wow. No, it's great. It's 5e, classic. 5e dragons but... are a big sack of hit points. That's all they are. Wow. There wow. Are, you got the layer action, but what else? It's, you know, it's just a dragon. But at this point, players are expecting more. If we, if you're dragons in a campaign that characters makes it, too. If you're in okay. a campaign that makes it to level 11, which by the way, I, all campaigns either start at, you know, start level one, end at five, or starts at you know levels four and five and ends two sessions later because people can't get together. If you're at, if you made it to level eleven, you do not want to just fight a dragon. There should be more with uh, more at stake, more involved with the players. It's classic but boring. I'm sorry, yeah. that's how it is. On that yeah. argument, on that argument, I think the your two phase battle suffers the same problem. You're right, Archimedes is too early. It is going to die in one round of combat. It's going to get obliterated. And then the same is true for the Juvenile Kraken. I mean, yeah, it's lair actions, but it doesn't do much. It's kind of an easy combat. It's got, what, 200 hit points, 16 HP. It doesn't do much. Where's the, where is the oh, link to the rest of the uh, campaign? This is the ultimate uh, climax. This is the ultimate climax. You need to make the links to the rest of the campaign. This is just some big sea monster. I mean, say what in you mind, want to that. In mind, there are also stakes. There are stakes. The players enter this final battle right as the summoning ritual has begun. If they don't kill these things in time or stop it in time, shit will go down. And honestly, there's room for more player moment there. What do you have to sacrifice a player in order to, uh, you know, get the evil god to not come back? Or if it's too late, what happens then? There's so much room for flavor and customization. I get Jake with yours. It's all right. It's great, but it's still one dude just fighting one guy. And yes, there's like, is the, it? Is, the, is it? There's a sim simulacrum per turns, which is basically an enemy that will have the options of all players that they can do different ones each round. I mean, isn't that infinite number of uh, variety? Look, Jake, that argument is almost as hard to follow as the encounter itself. What is happening? I feel like it's just such a hard thing to understand that, that your players will be more confused and like distressed okay, about I'll, in this I'll encounter explain, than, what happened. than fighting there itself. Is there is this one demon, right? There's a demon, and it's your typical demon. It can hit you, but also with spells, like, ooh, like this Archmage here. But it's got cool spells. You can make them have nightmarish, nightmarish visions, so they take some psychic damage. I think it's called Phantasmal Killer. Uh, and it has other illusions that can make players distracted. And while this has happened, the DM can say, oh, over there you have a glimpse of this old friend of yours, and it's just that's just kind of the vibes of the whole place. And throughout this combat, as they're fighting this demon, the vibes back. of the whole place, it's a white blank space. It is a it it's is not really, a white it, You I, can take out your piece of grid paper and be like, this is it, this is what this terrain looks like. It is a white base. Well, isn't That's that it. isn't that the feel of the end of the entire of all existence? Of uh ashen field. You have the occasional buildings that are in this place. There is an occasional building here and there. Oh, so there are buildings now. Okay. I interesting. Look, 
the like if you look up this place, if you look up this place, I'm used, I'm describing as described in the, the Dungeon Master's book. It is like that. There are occasional buildings, but I don't think the buildings even need to be there to get the same feelings. I mean, when, where are you going to get stakes if you're just in this kind of barren wasteland of nothingness? You're already just kind of there. Like, what are you saving at that point? You're just there well, fighting that, to fight, right? That's that's where the alter self spell comes in because the players have been manipulated to come here. To, and they are bringing, this is the whole thing, they are bringing this creature, this small trick, to bring him the start, this staff of power, which canonically, according to the book, is what this demon is seeking. And if you think this is too complicated, the final encounter should be complicated. This is the ultimate encounter. This isn't just a random encounter. So if this is anything like the campaign you're running now, possibly the Ash thing especially, the players will know that the BBUG has powers of deception and can change their appearance. Okay. So it kind of lessens the effect of that. They know to expect, okay, if this thing transforms into my best friend, probably not my best friend. Well, I mean, the, the, that, that's just up to the player's perspective. If, they, if they're tired of that, then so be it. But I think this would be bringing together, this is probably a campaign where this kind of deception is big. Uh, and that would kind of be, it has to be there. If that's how the campaign's been going, it has, there has to have hints of that at the final battle. I'll also say this, Jake. I I I understand that you want to have a complex encounter and in, in the final the final climactic battle. But here's the thing: at the end of the campaign, the PCs, especially the very last session when you're fighting the last enemy, okay, your players should know what they're like about to get into. Okay, this is like classic: you're just battering down the hatches, defend the castle, defend whatever, you know, attack the final battle. You got to know what you're doing. They do know and, what they're doing. If they fail, then that somehow this demon has a way to destroy the world. I mean, that's up to the campaign, but this is more focusing on the yeah, battle. All of ours has that. All of ours is like, hey, kill yeah. this guy or the world is destroyed. Yeah, so what's your point that mine doesn't have a point? That they don't have the purpose? It's so isolated from the rest of the world, though. At least with Corey, it's like the volcano's threatening this empire. At least it's like in the actual So, but you've probably overworld. fought back. You've fought probably hundreds of battles in the same world. This has got to be unique. It's that's boring. What, it's an Ashland. I mean, you can add your own flavor to it. So, I mean, it isn't just an Ashland. There are, there are occasional buildings, but so be it. I don't think that's boring. I think that gets the idea of that this is a desolate waste landscape and it kind of gets the players the idea if we fail, this is my, what our world will become. Fair, fair enough, Jake. I will say, speaking of speaking of not boring, uh, Amanda, I got I got to take umbrage with something you said about my uh, my affinity towards dragons. Okay, here's the thing. Look, I I don't know what kind of what kind of game what kind of dull games you've been playing. Okay, but but just because just because my BBEG is in the title of the game you're playing doesn't make it boring okay it makes so, it perfectly i think the point is group, it, it, again the if you've been playing up through level 11 you are now like experienced players it's not as satisfying it's fighting a dragon is fun maybe as like a not like yeah, a like, way boss so like a kind of arc this chapter is the final thing. i i think if you're gonna have a dragon as your final boss we're not allowing this, but you would give it its unique abilities, like they had in fourth edition. Dragons back then were really cool. Fifth edition dragons are just sac sacks of hit points that can bite, bite, claw, and occasionally fire breath. That is what a dragon is. Okay, but like 
you you guys are creating these dragons like these are just, they're just these like mindless monsters with yeah. that are just meant for yeah, but slaying the, like they, they, they have motivations they have intentions like they the know what they're doing he said his but, intention is to get gold we are okay, near but, but okay, as a dra- that but like, one final argument for my thing no i um, think we need to yeah we need to no, counsel no, okay. all here. when i think that final one, battles can be long drawn out and boring Phase, having these two phases means you can take a break halfway through and go to the bathroom, get your snacks, recuperate. It's great. It's fun. Logistically works. What? Come you on. You ever play Legend of Zelda? Combat. You ever play Legend of Zelda? That's, Look, that's not how it works. Your bro. combat will be done in about... Both phases will be done in about, what, four rounds. The, the Kraken will get smoked. Just saying. And the just to touch on... Just to, oh, just to touch on and the stakes... Any yeah. any further? Amanda has made her closing arguments. Uh, if anyone else wants to make their closing arguments, I will. I will make this final statement. When it comes to stakes, stakes are a part of the story. Granted, these stakes are what are threatened by the villain, but I believe that the villain itself does not dictate any specific uh, preconceived idea of what the stakes should be. Any villain, any final encounter can have any set of different stakes depending on the world you're in depending on the story that you're telling uh and look playing dungeons and dragons right let's let's yeah not dna not not dna not dna i know the the boss should be a dungeon just make an animated dungeon there you go hey man look (laughs) volcanoes can be dungeons too no, I, it's, 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 that's at a random encounter at level 11, let's be honest. We are, uh, we are on to Jake's final statements. Oh, uh, right. I just think my, my boss has everything that the big bad, the big bads, the final boss ha- should have. It has abilities that can make the players kind of think about how everything has led up to this moment. It's got a wide variety. I think that Smulkrum ability is absolutely the most awesome thing I've ever seen a monster to have. And it's epic. I think that's an epic location. I mean, you can disagree, but I think that is an epic location to have your final battle. I do disagree. Uh, uh, Well, I mean, you you didn't really describe your battle, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, And we are done with question one. Give me a moment to uh, put down some tallies. Peace and love, peace and love. You guys are still good people, and I and I and I trust you. We're friends, really. Um, We're friends, really. We're friends, guys. Guys, we promise we enjoy each other's company. (laughs) Probably. This this incentive system works wonders. (laughs) Dude, take your line right. Job opening insult. I I was pretty proud of that. It didn't have to be like incentive system. You could have said, "Hey, you don't have to be polite." And I'm like, "Great, time to throw hands." I mean, I, I. if it helps you step it up, nobody gave a clever enough insult that I gave you. You didn't like my one. Oh, really? If I came here for a battle of wits, no, I came here for a battle of wits, but I see that you are unarmed. Wow, yeah, you stole that from somewhere, Jake. You I stole just, that from somewhere. So, around. Uh, we are moving on to question two at this point, which you will have three minutes to give your opening statements on. The question is. What's more fun than a good villain hyping up a good villain? Explain to me the best way to build up your BBEG, including when in the campaign you begin the process. And again, I will be rolling the dice, um, disqualifying uh, Jake from going first this time so that we don't have the same order mm-hmm. in a row. I, I, I appreciate a rest. 
Amanda, whenever you are ready. All right, let's begin. So when do you introduce your villain? You introduce your villain in session one, uh, but they're not the BBG in session one. Your players don't know that yet. Uh, they're some NPC that known since the beginning and not like a necessarily a childhood best friend or family member important thing. No, I'm talking, they are the shopkeep, the innkeep, just some random kind of friendly person who they meet and is very tr trusting. There's no reason to doubt the person serving you your drink, uh, but you know, slowly things get more, things are sabotaged, there's betrayal, and that, you know, any point in the campaign, your players can find out who they are, and it'll change the tides of things. Um, oh god, my notes. I feel like, ha, um, uh, betrayal is always spicy and fun, I will say. Uh, one thing that's really great about using some sort of mundane NPC that your players meet in the first session is that this isn't someone who they assume has stakes in it, stakes in the game or anything, but someone who will probably know their business. The tavern keep and bartender probably overhear what goes on. And if you have the starting a tavern scene, they're like, oh, interesting. There's things happening here. Uh, it's so unsuspecting, very cool, and keeps them on their toes. Uh, I think, man, Jake, you can attest that watching players figure out who the BBG is halfway through and feeling utterly betrayed is kind of fun, as a DM especially, and if the players, even though it's a distressing moment, it's still emotions and fun. It's like the fun kind of betrayal. Um, and also hints that there could have been other clues that the players have missed along the way, that you think back to, oh god, what should we see? Did this mean something? You know, this person was it all along. What else did we miss? And I just want to say that just because you've established the BBG in the beginning does not mean it's inflexible. You know, as a DM, uh, no, actually knowing who they are from the beginning and right away means that this NPC can be more dynamic and reactive and act more realistically based on what the players choose to do. You don't have to retcon things or justify certain actions or behaviors later down the line. It's all right there and slowly building up to some climactic, you know, end of second act thing. Uh, that's all. I actually want to say about that for now. Three minutes is, is a lot for that. We are at two minutes and 30 seconds. All right. Um, all right. Some good points made there. So, Jake, three minutes. Can you continue okay. yourself? Get ready. Oh, my gosh. I cannot. Okay. I guess it's also probably. Okay. First, I'm going to summarize my villain's philosophy so they it needs to be he needs to be proactive and reactive he needs to have a plan and he has to pursue that plan no matter what the party does at the same time he needs to be reactive what the party does if it defects his plans he will change his plans depending what the party does that isn't a uh goes against each other the, and then it also i think he is the most important character in the entire campaign more important than the pc's more important the npcs in that if a party member dies i'm talking about individual pieces if a pc dies the campaign continues if the bbeg dies the campaign or at least the story you're telling ends uh now i guess i should actually answer the question so i also i am a big fan of the slow slow build up um i think they should at least hear the name of the villain soon so i think perhaps if they go to the first dungeon at the end they meet a cultist and before the cultist dies, it's, it, he says, all hail the Dark Lord or something. This makes the party think, who is this Dark Lord? What does this Dark Lord want? Etc. 
and then they kind of continue along their way. They kind of hear his name there and back, and then they come maybe to eventually, and they do eventually meet him, but also he has been deceiving them. I think that is just a great tool to give your villains. I think first session is too early for this, but I think now is a good place to do it, like a few levels in. And they don't know who he is. They think he's just another NPC, but he kind of manipulates them as they go along. And but soon they learn more clues and eventually, huh, that guy might actually be the big bad. But here's the thing. You might lead them on clues, taking them to the wrong villain because this is villain is a master of deception. Of course, he's going to frame someone else. Um, <laughs> but maybe he won't. Maybe it's a double bluff. But eventually the party will continue. They learn more. They start learn to fear him. They learn to fear him. And at one point, they need to have this display of power. Not at them, they're just spectators. Perhaps you see him lay waste to a city. Perhaps you see him just be a very powerful NPC in combat. And that will kind of demonstrate their power and the players will think, oh, we can't stand up to this. But they continue, they're still caught up in his plans. Maybe they falsely accuse the wrong villain, that villain gets in trouble, and the true villain continues to manipulate them. This is very complicated. This is how the best villain is made. And then, but eventually, skip to the long gist, they eventually meet him, and it all kind of makes sense. We all have to fit together, and the party will kind of realize they have been a part of the villain's plan this whole time, etc. I mean, obviously, you guys have probably understood the, the allusions I'm making to the Chaos Wizard. And I mean, I would just ask you, you, you probably know a lot about him, but yet you know nothing about him. And you've kind of, you think you might know it who he is you may know who he is but you may be wrong and you everything you do i think at this point you have the chaos was in mind i might be wrong as you are the players but i think that's the situation uh, what time is it uh we are i got absorbed in the argument we are four seconds past you're done that's all right i time myself yeah. i know my time too Corey, whenever you are ready. I believe I hold this strong contention as a DM that every single encounter should connect in some way to the BBEG. Now, let me, let me elaborate. Uh, the most threatening villain is not one that can simply and ferociously over the power, overpower the party on site, as our good friend Cassie would say. Shout out Cassie. The most threatening villain is one that can methodically plan the perfect moment to make their move. You know that they have evil intentions, but you do not know when they will exact them, nor how they will exact them, at least not before the right amount of information is gathered by the party. And this is exactly why having one character meet the BBEG long before the final encounter of the campaign, approximately halfway through the campaign itself, is the best way to hype up the evil bad guy. For example, the party explores the forest from whence many dark entities and monsters have come, but one party member is sucked in through a magical portal into the lair of the evil shadow queen the party has heard whispers about. The PC is able to have a very threatening, intense, one-on-one -on -one social encounter, while the rest of the party is perhaps captured or separated somehow, trying to figure out how to reunite with their estranged companion. It allows insight to the motivations of the main villain, it allows the PC to ask any questions they want right to the villain's face, and it gives a chance for the villain to show how powerful they truly are. 
After all, what better way to display the villainy of a BBEG than sticking them face to face with a character that wants nothing more than to bring them down? In fact, a singular PC might not play their cards right. They could be killed outright in the social encounter and the stakes of the campaign can be raised even more. It's an encounter with endless possibilities, feels extremely natural, and is the best way to hype up the BBEG and instill fear into the hearts of D&D players everywhere. <laughs> a concise argument nice. made with uh, a minute and 30 seconds on the clock. Just a little bit. Hey, that's fair enough. Um, okay. Whenever you all are ready to start giving your rebuttals, I will start the clock. Okay, I'm sorry, ready. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, Amanda okay, made Jake. A, a man, I just Amanda is similar in that she wants the BBG to pretend to be someone else, and I agree with that. Why would the BBEG care about the party when they are starting like at level one? Why would he care? They're just a random adventuring group going on the way. They the party needs to come to him. They are insignificant flies in his in his mechanisms. I mean, just you you would get beaten by a bunch of orcs at level one. So why would he go out of his way to pretend to be a barman or whatever to just talk to you? No, you need to have a name for yourself. But when he comes to you, or you have to come to him. Yeah, that was my rebuttal. Well, Amanda's one. If we're in a setting where there's it's an established town, there's lots of people, people exist in this world, just have this kind of well-known villain wandering around. Is it's like why aren't other people have already why haven't other people already taken care of this dude if it's so he's so evil and well known? It's this one kind of deception. It's some underground, mysterious, evil force. And then if it's the you know bartender of the tavern just overhearing a low-level party talking about they were hired, they're coming together, they're here to do something about someone that, that connects to whatever they're the leader of, you know, they're not going to make a scene right away, but they're going to send some things after these players. They're going to try to deceive them. They're going to try to foil plans, misdirect them, or to keep up this false appearance of that, I'm fine, I'm normal, I'm just a random person. Um, and I think, so I think that's trust. the role... That's the role of a, a subordinate to the BBG. I just don't think, it depends on the BBG you're creating, but if this is the BBG looking to take over the world, I do not see him just hanging around in the tavern looking at rumors. Maybe he already knows everything goes on, but I think that would be a job he gives his minions. Possibly, but it does, it definitely depends on the story you're going for. It does. I mean, all these questions depend on the story. You see, I mean, However, I. Are you going to try to sit on my argument? Well, yes. Well, yes. Yeah. So, Amanda, I, I, I don't dislike the idea of hiding your BBEG in plain sight. I don't dislike that idea. However, you know, again, like we just said, it kind of depends on what you're going for with the campaign. But really, Amanda, what I think you've done is you've just written an episode of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> I mean, I mean, pulling old the mask off. Old Man Jenkins. Like, Old Man Jenkins. <laughs> Oh, why you, why you meddling adventuring party? It wouldn't have happened without that uh, that little pseudo dragon of yours. You know, but like it, is Scooby Doo bad? Is Scooby? It's a pretty successful IP. That's what I'm saying. But like, look, do you besides Old Man Jenkins? Name me, name me one, name me one villain from an episode of Scooby Doo that's memorable. Okay, like I get it. It's a good reveal. It's a nice little carpet pull. Scrappy Doo. <laughs> Scrappy Doo was like an. Um, he was, he was a morally honest, ambiguous antihero. I don't really okay, know about Scrappy Doo. Last Scooby Doo thing I watched was last Scooby Doo thing I watched was like the Scoob movie, whatever the more recent movie was. Yeah. And I think it was 
I forgot who the actual villain was, but they definitely was like they pointed out it was Simon Cowell at one point. So what? now I'm like Simon Cowell. Oh, what is this argument? He was a memorable uh, villain anyways. long before Scooby Doo. Guys, we go, we're um, all over the place. Look, look, my my point is, my point is, I think it's a really, I think it's a really nice, nice trick, nice gimmick to have a BBEG right there, you know, in front of our face the entire time. But the thing is, like, it's just kind of you really have to work it in very well. And I think it would be hard to do that with someone like, you know, an innkeeper, a, you know, a, a, a bartender or, or something, something so simple yeah. that it doesn't really, yeah. it doesn't really give off a villainous vibe. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you, you know, know it's, it's just one of those well, things. You know, it's I a good glad... position for this. Someone in political power, because they have a reason well, to be disguised. They will be manipulating other political powers for their own means. Well, his thing. I'm. I'm glad. Again, I might be throwing off. Corey, I'm, I'm glad both of you guys think this way because we do start session one of our next campaign tomorrow. Oh, um, wow! And it, this this town is full I of mean, very. It depends on the campaign. Your campaign is only. I don't know. You you, you say it was a short campaign. I mean, I I'm talking about a long campaign. I mean, oh, what? I, well, Jake, I don't. Here's the thing. Uh, you're you started off with your philosophy, which I off the bat have some gripes with. Um, like, okay, so the, the BBG has to be proactive and reactive. Yeah, so does literally every NPC in your game. Everyone ha should have a motivation. And no, yes, but it needs to be more complex. Like, NPCs a proactive, a, a guy in a village, yeah, they're proactive, and they have to go eat food every day. But the villain has to be proactive in that it spreads across the entire land. They have things going on there and yes. there and there. That's pretty but, much how it all works when you have a good I mean, are you disagreeing that should be proactive enemy. or you just agree? It's just, it's just not an argument you can use because like, that's assumed for everything. I, also, I disagree. I think it's um, impossible to also, have every Also, if you're NPC BBG, you, you made a point about the BBG being more important than the individual PCs and any other NPC. You know, a statement was made along the lines of, if the BBG dies, the campaign ends. It's not technically how it works with the players, though. If a player dies, this new character comes in, things carry on. I disagree. If your BBG dies and then that's it, you won, hooray. I said the story. That's... I said all the story ends that it was telling. If the BBG dies, the story that the BBG was the villain of doesn't. Not necessarily. It, but then it's a different story. If, if he had a minion. In this evil villainous force. You know? If, uh... if he has a minion who's going to take control, they're starting from scratch. That's basically another story at this point. They might have the same goals, but now it's a completely different person. It just and it simplifies it down to a single person, and I think that just is. Or it could be the whole com. Eh, I, I mean, and it, I, it seems kind of inflexible to me to be like, "Hey, if if something happens that I wasn't planning on, then the story's over. We gotta do like." Mm -hmm. it, well, if I, I mean, it, understandably, like, okay, sure, if your BBG dies somehow, but but like, there's always a way, especially as a dungeon master, to just like adapt. To what happened well, my, last my session, point you know? was that his death will have a bigger impact than the death of just one of the random pcs unless the pc has a very big backstory that your connection to the campaign and that's that's true you should, compared you to my campaign if, if if the chaos wizard just died to a bunch of goblins and compare that to say um if vega died to a bunch of goblins which will have a bigger impact on the campaign for the players, for us actually playing the game, this is our game. My character dying means a lot more to me. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. I mean, but you can still have fun if your character dies. I don't. I, that's just that's a different topic. No, I won't. Yeah, I won't have fun. Actually, Yo, that's, I love that's my a different. It, yes, but you would still play. I mean, 
if I killed Vega, I hope that you would still play because you still enjoy the campaign. We are uh, close to time. Um, and we have hit time actually now. So I would like to hear uh, closing statements from whoever wishes to make them first. You know what? I'll get out of the way. Because we didn't, Corey, we, we didn't get to talk about yours very much. I will say I'm okay. I think it's fine. It's good. I don't know something. It's lacking a little oomph. I don't know. I'm just missing something. One thing I did have a problem with was you opened the possibility of a player, one of the, that single PC. Also, a single PC, man, picking favorites. I, that's not fair. Uh, but that, that, that you open the possibility of that single PC possibly being able to get killed in that social encounter. And that is dumb and terrible. And I, said if, I said if they don't play their cards right, okay? That's only in a certain situation when a player character becomes hostile. You know what I use for a template for that, by the way, Amanda? It should be if they play their cards wrong. Hmm? Or, then, yeah, if they don't play their cards right. Like, there could no, be plenty of ways they could play their cards right. But look, the template I used for that example was a show you and I both really liked. You want to take a guess at what that show is called? Oh. Don't bring Dimension 20 into this. Oh, I'm Don't, bringing I'm... Dimension 20 into this. You're watching on Sleeping City 2. Spoilers, slight spoilers. But uh, Pete had a bit of a run-in with the BBEG a little early on. And was it not yeah, one of the best and... scenes in that entire right. campaign if, if, thus if far? We have, if we didn't get an Allie Beardsley nap 20 there, Pete would have died and it would have been shitty. It wouldn't have been fun. That it would have been shitty. Been, that would have been Pete really getting a shitty hand. But Pete didn't get a shitty hand, okay? Ali played One their cards right. Ali played their cards right. No, because Ali didn't have to run. Uh, Pete didn't have to run straight up at no. This is a this is a whole uh, dimension twenty tangent. But my well, point is, my point is, it can be done very well. And the tension, the tension, ooh, tension is spicy. It's flavorful. We need that for a good BBEG. It's it's a threat. I mean, it's just one of those things that's just kind of necessary. And I, I don't want to, you know. I know we're doing closing statements, so I just wanted to back that up, you know, just defend my point here. Um, but sorry, Amanda, I, go, please finish with what you're saying. can E20 into this. Leave oh, Brennan out of this. Brennan, yeah, Brennan did that. Yes, uh, I mean, I was just saying a quick comment on Corey's, and I didn't make one yet. Uh, the every encounter connects to BPG, I think that is ridiculous. I think we're, we're about random encounters. If every single thing is don't need to BBG, don't need them. But if, if that I means, if that means the BBG would Corey know that they're like... where they are at all times, and why doesn't he just obliterate them? But that's not the point. Well, anyway, I think on my one, I think you guys focused a lot on that one comment I made, which again, it was that was not even relevant very much to the question that was being had. Um, the basically the synopsis of my point is that you want to have a villain who connects with the world intricately and his mechanisms are throughout the entire world and the party are, are gears in that. They will contribute unwillingly, perhaps, to the plans. Maybe they'll put a little wrench in there and disrupt the plans, but the, the, the thing won't stop until the BBG is dealt with. And so you need to have the BBG basically being there to party interacts with him unwillingly but he basically connects all the dots in the story. Yeah, that's basically my final statement. Okay. Um, that is a very, very difficult round to judge. Um, I will say that I am uh, still undecided on who won that round. Um, but 
With that finished, let's move on to the third and final question of the debate. As a reminder, the third question is a question that none of our debaters know ahead of time. Um, they only know that it will generally relate to the villains. This is a question that I'm excited to hear your all's answer on. Uh, you will be given two minutes and 30 seconds of time. Question three. It's the final battle. All of the world is at stake. Your level 20 party is facing off against the greatest threat they've ever faced, and they lose. Even if you try to take mercy on them, a combination of bad rolls and poor tactics have ensured that the villain wins. How do you end your campaign after this? Uh, Corey, you're the only one who hasn't gone first yet? Uh, it's, it's, it seems that is the case. You're up first. All right. I'm going off of a gut reaction to this very, uh, very, very sticky wicket you have put us in with, with this scenario. And uh, level 20 campaign ending badly for the PCs, that's a bad thing. But I think I have an idea. I think I have an idea as to how you can make things better. How you can begin... Um, having your party rise from the ashes like a phoenix. And that is with a new campaign in the same world. Every player character rolls up a new character uh, and whether, you, whether or not you want to start them at level one again and build up all the way to another campaign, I mean, that could be a good idea. Your, your, your players are going from a, their lowest point to hopefully their highest by the end of this next campaign. This is like chapter two, the redemption, you know, the revenge. It's, it's like a campaign, you know, quest for, for vindication against this bad guy that's won. Maybe the world has changed. Maybe the world is this dark, grim place and the players, the player characters are the only hope for light left, period, you know? Uh, you know, maybe there's some, some legend uh, of the previous party of the same players, uh, but with different characters that now they can come back as new characters and avenge their fallen uh, counterparts that they all had just sort of suffered. Uh, I mean, that's kind of a baseline concept, but basically uh, the PCs lose at level 20 in their final uh, encounter. What you do is you set them back, but you give them another chance with an entire uh, new uh, other campaign set in the, it's in the same world with the same villain, but make it dynamic and different enough to where it's not monotonously the same. And that's pretty much, that's, that's my argument, my standpoint, how I would do it. Um, Amanda, you have not gone second yet. Okay. I'm point my own timer because I want to be smart about this. And, okay. So, here's the thing. If you've made it to level 20, there is, you, you just cannot let your players lose. Yes, they can all die, but that shouldn't be something that means they have lost. I think a good way to term this is, even if it's just the dice and you're that DM who is like, I am a just a manipulator, this neutral force of randomness and chaos, whatever, you're at level 20, you can't let them just die and lose too bad, so sad. I think turning their deaths into 
sort of like, uh, like making them martyrs. And they came in this sort of epilogue as each of them fall, like even though they have fallen, the fight is not over. They have inspired, if you're at this point, you have must have armies and people on your side and NPCs and companions that you've allied with who are gonna continue the fight for you. And even though they've all passed, their deaths have, been, have opened this door for a better world and have inspired others to finish this fight for them. And sure, maybe it'll open the door for a kind of next campaign going later on in this kind of post-villain uh, world or the fight against the villain still continuing on. Uh, but just, you cannot let them just die and be like, ah, better luck next time. Um, it's, it's good to play around with uh, what this villain sort of killing all the PCs or succeeding may be like. But ultimately, the, the, the deaths should mean something because to have the deaths, like, you lost, you didn't do well enough, whoopsies, is so shitty, especially for level 20 players. You gotta just make them you know, beacons of hope and inspiration. And even if it is this ending monologue, if I know that, hey, even though I died, I, you know, in the end, my death allowed this thing to, you know, allowed others to prevail and allowed others to succeed, it feels a little better and it hurts a little less because ideally we'd all live regardless, but that can't happen. So the next best thing is to still make it meaningful and impactful, whether that does lead into another campaign or not. Uh, that's all I have to say. I have three seconds, but um, that's it. Just make them martyrs. Okay, noted. Jake, you're up last. Yeah, uh, you know what? I mean, I agree with actually a lot that has been said. I think you definitely do not want to just let them off the hook and say they win. That would just remove all realism. But so I think what you should do is you should do the villain wins. The villain basically takes over the world or whatever he was trying to do. And you can do another campaign in a world that is now under the oppression of, let's say he's a demon lord or something. Uh, and now they party, the party make new characters that now have to rise up in rebellion against uh, this demon lord. It's like Crowe said, they'd be on a quest of revenge and redemption. They're trying to now free the demon, which they personally, as players, now already have a, a connection with. But I think you should go beyond that. That's where I go beyond Corey's, but... These party members who lose, I think it would be really awesome uh, if the, this demon lord who beat them basically resurrects them and makes them evil. I think that would be really cool if the new party members hear about these, let's say the party was five, five great champions of evil, and now they have to go seek them out to eventually reach the demon lord. And when they meet the first one, they realize, oh shit, it's, uh, it's uh, Frederick from our party. And now they'll, now they'll, when they kill him, they'll be so happy that, and I mean, these, these people have been resurrected, of course, they're not willingly doing this. It's like their soul is entrapped or something. They'll be so happy as they see this PC become happy as he finally passed into death. And then the party will have be really pushed on to now free the rest and eventually defeat the big boss. Now, I think what would be a, a, an optimal way of doing this is to make these champions of evil, like, no one actually knows who they are. So the place, so like Amanda said, these party members still die as, say, martyrs. They put their legends in this new world that the campaign will be set. But no one knows that they have actually been resurrected and now embodiments of evil that must now be destroyed. I think that goes great connections to the previous campaign, as the PCs from the last campaign will still have a major role in this new one, just 
the state will be a representation of how the how it went badly, how they lost. Close to time. Job done. All right. So uh, wow, man, you're not even letting him say moving, that. Chaos rounds. <laughs> moving into discourse time. Um, I want. I'm going to pose a question to you guys. Uh, what happens if this was the last session because soon enough people's schedules are changing and they want to have one final moment together? It's been four months since they last played. They want to wrap up this campaign before well, one player goes moves away. One person gets a job. What happens if you can't start another campaign? You just logistically, schedule-wise, cannot start a new campaign. These are such different scenarios that I do not think you can label one scenario to be best for both. That is not true. If I mean, it is the if... last session, if it is the last session that you guys know will ever happen, you need some fulfilling conclusion. I still think that the Demon Lord should win, but like you said, perhaps the... Um, Perhaps the DM kind of cuts to a cutscene with the players, like everyone in the world, making some memorial scene to them and kind of hinting that the rebellion will continue. But in the scenario where they will have another campaign, I, I, you can do that if you want, but I think it would be really cool if you do go into it as an campaign. Again, these are two very different scenarios. I, you cannot label one as being better in both. No, I, I really strongly think that you just cannot say I would, that one is better for both scenarios. I would also like to say, I would also like to say that, you know, hypothetically, yes, that is a possibility, but if these players have been playing Dungeons and Dragons up to level 20, I contend that they probably yeah. could go for another campaign. You know what I mean? Like, Getting, getting a campaign from a level 20 is a lot of D&D. And granted, yeah, maybe in some, you know, universe out there, that's like the, their last chance, sure. But like, it's just as likely in another hypothetical reality that they will also have more time, especially because they already have the time to get to level 20. Right, so it's yeah. like, hey, we spent all these years, levels one through 20, assume, assuming fighting this one villain, time to have a new campaign fighting the same villain, levels 1 to 20, do it all well, again, guys. It's just, well, it's, it's not the lot. same villain in the one. Now, in my one, they're fighting all the previous party members. That is not the same it's villain. It's the same, well, it's the same. Uh, well, then, Jake, what's wrong with that? Jake, Jake, wrong I gotta, that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that, Jake. I'll tell you what's wrong with that. Because these players spent an entire campaign, level 1 through 20, getting all of these heroes, this mythical, legendary status that they've felt connection to that's just so cathartic for them. And it was heartbreaking for them to die. Okay, yeah. and you know what you're yeah. doing? You're killing them again. You're putting salt in the wound. You're making these players no. kill what now, was precious now, to them in the first place. They're now, characters. Now, yep. Now, yep. No, now the party, now the party members have the opportunity to go and free them because that's surely what they want to do. And this is what would probably happen if they lost to a level 20 villain. You have to stay realistic. He probably has the power to resurrect them. This is, right. probably, this is probably like a demon then, god at this point. And then it's hard to like, why can't I just play the character I worked so hard leveling up and got really attached to? Well, uh, no, I mean, they, they can't, they, they died. That, that is the point. You cannot go so But they're resurrected them. now. They're alive again. That's why, that's why you don't, inc uh, that's why you only it, include that, them as, as their impact on the world in the next campaign. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to physically no, retain these characters. Is, you can just have their impact tangible throughout the entire campaign yeah that would also happen because i've already stated that these would not no one would know that they are the same people because no one has seen them 
probably in this scenario. But when the players meet them, then they would realize they would not feel shitty until they actually met the first one when they would soon after be able to free them. And at that level, they would probably be able to go on to the next one. They won't have this 15 levels of feeling shit because they know their, their characters are out there being evil. As soon as they get there, they're going to have a chance to free them all. It'll only be like, it'll only be over a period of a couple of levels where they know their old characters are out there. I still have a gripe with that both of you guys. Your solutions are just to keep playing and start a new campaign, but we're going to focus on what do you do about that, this ending itself? Because that's, if you start a new campaign that branches off and builds off the story we left off on, that's not ending it at that level 20 climactic ending. Yeah, the world you is know, different. The, the world ending, is different. the ending to, is the beginning. About yeah, that. You guys, ever seen, you guys ever That's seen so a little, cliche. a little, yeah, you guys ever seen a little uh, unknown, unknown fantasy series called uh, Star Wars? Okay, Empire Strikes Back, Return <laughs> of the Jedi. The ending is so dark and grim, the heroes have lost in Empire Strikes Back at the end. Okay, what happens? What happens in Return of the Jedi? Well, mm. if, if, you, if you listen to the title, you probably, you probably know what it is. But my point is, like, like, sure, okay, you know, the campaign itself is gone. Like, it's done. They failed. But, like, how nihilistic is that to just be like, you know what? Life, right? That's life. You lose. Like, it, this is, this is yeah. escapism. We're playing D&D because we love the storytelling. We love the fact that, like, our characters are these hopeful heroes that have the chance of, like, Testing the evil that's yeah. all throughout the world, and let me tell you, let me tell you what's wrong about the ending of your campaign, Amanda. Uh, the the heroes are martyrs. I get that. You got a nice little twinge of hope, but like, I I'm pretty sure you said something about like the like NPCs, like the armies and the you know the other figures they've met being the ones to kind of carry out their mission. That's like a cardinal sin of dungeon masters to not let the NPCs be the one to yeah. take down the big bat. And that's pretty they much what you're doing. Having, having, having your like non like sentient like world of just like non-player characters be the ones to do what the heroes couldn't. It's just kind of like disheartening. Although of course it is like sh like shrouded in this guise of like hope. It's just kind of okay. And then it doesn't have to end right at the. It doesn't have to end you know with the DM's closing uh, epilogue sort of speech on and he falls. It can sort of be left in the open still, but. Uh, he can be left in the open, maybe he does die, maybe he doesn't, the BBG, but it's that the, by the players, the PC's deaths inspired those still living to continue the fight and to inspire right. hope. And that's what Jake and I, that's what Jake and I, they, they what Jake and I are doing with our campaigns. We're carrying yeah, it on. We time. Uh, can I hear closing statements from somebody? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. So look, this is, this is a tough thing. No one ever really thinks about the, the, the uh, concept of, you know, the last session being one that isn't utterly triumphant and it's catharsis lies and the tragedy of, of our beloved heroes falling. But if you are to, to write that ship, you know, dice are, dice are a mother, okay? Dice are a mother. We all know this. We've played D&D before. And, and sometimes that might just be the way it goes in, in a world where, you know, you have a DM that abides by the, the rule of, of randomosity. But the way to the way to make D and D satisfying is to just tell a a good story, and a good story isn't one that always you know oh the villain dies you know maybe maybe it's just one where some 
semblance of, of the world is, is made better or is affected in, in a really good way by the heroes. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're playing D&D, and the goal is, is to just, just destroy evil. And that's what you're gonna do with a new with a with a new campaign, and that's what you're that's what you're gonna do um, with with my with my proposition. It just you're ending the campaign, but you're not actually ending. It's still the same essential plot line in story. It's not. It doesn't have like to the, be. It doesn't have to be. Failed on the first. That's what you guys were implying. I it's was not, not implying. It, it was just because it's story. in the same world doesn't mean it's the same story. It's I mean, a very that's, different that's world. all up the to the DM's from... discretion. I mean the the story yes, the story of the campaign the story of the campaign before the villain wins is drastically different than the 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 story of the campaign after the villain wins. The worlds are like the same concrete world but like their dynamics are completely different and that affects the story. Granted we don't have like that 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 like so, hook off the top of our head and I'm sorry I I don't want to interrupt your closing statement again but I just got to get that out there. I'm sorry. All right. Love, Here's the thing. Then if then if you take the approach of well, then it's, it's just a setting that's been changed by this villain taking over. Then it is like, then it, then it's like, yeah, the players lost, cool things are changed, new story time, just with the constant reminder that you guys failed in the last campaign. It, it's either, there's kind of no way to make that, I mean, it's, it's fine, it's good. I'm not saying it's a terrible way to approach it. It's just at the end of the day, it's either you're, it's, you're like, hey, you're on, you're on try number two of taking down this big bad old guy, like, hey, look, I'm reminding you that last time you failed at every constant moment because you're now in this villain-ridden world, villain-controlled villain world. It's, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't make that ending feel, it doesn't make the level 20 deaths feel any better. Okay. My, uh, my closing statement. Um, I'll just add an idea I just popped into my head. You know, if you don't want to start from scratch, it's the same thing that was going on my idea, but perhaps you can start with already developed NPCs. You can just take over them as your players if you want. Maybe one, if uh, if you were level 20, maybe one can just become the king or something. I don't know. Playing developed uh, NPCs that they've already met. But anyway, I'll just leave with this. Think about the campaign that I'm DMing and you get to level 20, say, and you lose to whoever the big bad is, say the Ash King, Chaos Widow, whoever it is, would you want the campaign to just end and you know that some some king just was going to take up the struggle or something? No, you would want to be there yourself to get your revenge. And I'm, I think you would, and I, I think that would be the better ending for it. Okay. I have, uh, I have reached my decision uh, not only on question three, but on question two as well. Uh, and so I will go down. Uh, would you all like me to start with the uh, overall winner of the debate or a breakdown of each question? Breakdown's fun. Yeah. Yeah, you can do the breakdown. I guess you can only do two, though, because um, we've done three right now. I will just, I will say the winners of each question and oh, then I will okay. more detail after. Uh, for the first question, uh, the big bad, uh, at the very end of the campaign, I had Jake as the winner. Um, there were some very well-argued points from the other two, but Jake's was the most complex encounter. I agreed with all of the philosophy behind it, uh, and, uh, the variability of everything going on. I thought it was the only one that was a suitable threat 
uh, for a level 11 party. Uh, and so uh, that edged him out in front. Um, for the second round, um, I, uh, for the second round, I also had Jake winning by a very, very slight margin. Um, and for the third round, I had Amanda winning. Um, so, uh, for a little bit of a breakdown, Jake won by one point. Jake won by one point because there were so wow. many extra little points being given out, especially in that second round. Jake, honestly, that second round, um, as I was deciding it, um, you just about pulled, you pulled one over even with the amount of bonus points that I was awarding with those questions. Corey and Amanda, you both tied for second. Um, I do, I want to throw it, during that uh, first round, I felt school. so good because there was a significant lack of like arguments against my thing. It was- That's because there was no arguments to have. It was so, oh. Good thing. <laughs> you, uh, you prefer, I- To do, to do uh, a little bit of a breakdown. For question one, it went uh, Jake, Amanda, Corey. Corey, you got hella bonus points for your theatrical entrance. It did not compensate for the, the mechanics, just didn't match up. Fair enough, fair enough. But, yeah, everybody- Four dragons. Bring back fourth edition Dude, dragons. Come on, dragons. Yeah, I like, I like dragons, but it just didn't bear out. Um, for uh, number two, it was uh, Jake, then uh, Amanda, and then Corey. And then for number three, it was Amanda, Corey, Jake. Don't so like my ideas of NPCs coming back as a thing. I had you two very close, Jake and Corey. Uh, but the thing that won Amanda that round was the practicality of it. Uh, because in, in all likelihood, uh, starting a new campaign is not a given. And it's not a given that even if you start that campaign, you'll get all the way to the end. Um, so I liked that she uh, addressed that ending as it was. However, it was not enough to pull ahead. Uh, it was one point too short to pull ahead of Jake's lead. You know, I think unlike uh, episode zero with Corey's third question and he's moderating, I didn't have any opportunities to like flatter you, and I should have I should have done that for those bonus <laughs> points. Great and question, like, Scott. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, uh, I feel I feel I feel somewhat relieved. I had, I felt like I had pressure that I had to do well in this one. The villains. I mean, <laughs> again, Jake, I know we're putting you like, oh yeah, because you're all of our DMs and we have a high stakes, really threatening. But also again, keep in mind I'm also your DM. Uh Scott, you know, no yeah. stakes in this game. But again, starting campaign tomorrow. I'm doing my notes, my prep right now, and I've got some very interesting thoughts from you guys. And I'm changing nothing about what I'm preparing. Okay. So, I would, I would especially like to to extend this uh, to extend this this uh, statement once more, uh, especially as the loser of today's episode. That uh, peace, love, and positivity. I still enjoy all of your company, yeah. and this was a this was a well fought <laughs> fight. I mean, I mean, also, not Corey, you are the real winner of this episode because your Scooby Doo comment got the only insult point. You know what? That's a. Hey, I. Right, that's all I need. Way. You know this way. We have all now won a debate. Isn't it a balanced system? Wait, not all of us. There's only been three debates. 
I'm gonna win the next one. I swear. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I have the now. I have the standings. I have the standings going. I'm. In our I'm gonna. Doc, you know what? I'm. I'm very ready to go oh, game oh, studies on your asses. Like I am about to whip out the we, uh, circle agency. Um, affordances. I'm ready to pull out like hey, one I'm semester uh, of game I'm studies. I'm the next one. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Ooh, bar burner. A, I liked. I liked this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember, folks. Remember, folks. Make the make the villain most appropriate to your campaign. Do it. Do it. If, it, if, it, if it's it, it. Question two was so hard to call. Um, and Amanda, yours, uh, yours. Like I was very close to calling that number one because that is something that I have literally done in the past. Um, and uh, and it may be something I do in the future, Jake and Corey. <laughs> Oh come on Near now! Future. Come on now! I remember, remember I was uh, no, I said no spoilers. I said yeah. no spoilers. Okay, so everybody, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Yes, <laughs> thank you for listening. Who and, do you uh, think should have won? Oh yes, who do you think won? All three quests. Who do you what, think? I mean, what I, would I, your villain obvious, be? But... What would your villain be? How would you introduce them into the campaign? You know, what are your thoughts? Uh, definitely explain why I should have won. Uh, explain, not explain why Corey should have beaten Amanda, but I still should have won. <laughs> okay, Jake. Okay. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> Mr. Moderator of next... Hey, congratulations, Jake. I hear you're the moderator of next episode. I, ho I wish you well in creating the questions, and uh, great job today, bud. Thank you. All right. Thank on you. That note, good night, everybody. <laughs> good night. <Bye>. Thank you. <laughs>